did you have an opening? No, not really. We're gonna sing a song. Nah, I'm still not gonna do that. No. Hmm. I feel like the time has passed. What's that? Oh, I got this song stuck in my head, but I can't remember all the words. What's the? What are the lyrics to the Toys R Us song? Um, I don't want to grow up. <laughs> I want to be a kid. No, so it's something. I it starts with I don't want to grow up. Okay, I found it. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. They got a million toys at Toys R Us that I can play with. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. They got the best for so much less. That's a lie. That's why they went out of business. It was all overpriced. (laughs) They're coming back, though. I mean, well, they aren't. Someone's buying the name. I feel like some shareholder made out really well, and then everyone else got fucked. Which is good. Because oh, it was a poorly, yeah. it was a poorly run business that shouldn't have stayed open as long as it did. I remember that every time I went into Toys R Us, this is when I actually would want to go. My parents were there, and they'd buy like a toy. The people, the checkout would always like really pressure you for, like, oh, can we have your address? Oh, can we have your, you know, whatever your phone number? Because we didn't have like email addresses back then. Um, and I was just like, no, we, you don't need that information. Uh, you, you, here's, here's literal cash this transaction stops and ends with with the u.s dollar like you don't need my personal information and now you go to stores and they're like oh do you want to put an email address down it's like no pretty soon they're gonna be asking for like twitter handles and facebook pages and i don't know what else blood i don't like it i don't either my crack dealer doesn't ask for personal information i wish he would (laughs) How you doing, Cameron? Oh, you know. <laughs> we had some fun this week. Did we? Yeah, we, we we started a D&D thing. We played around with that. Oh, that was this week, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a highlight. I, I, I had a lot of fun. That's good. I'm excited for this. Got my backstory uh, figured out for my dumb gnome. Oh, do you really? Yeah, more or less. I got, um... I guess I, sh- I have to make some, like, maps and things. I think I got the first, like, three sessions probably ready to go. Or more, depends how fast you guys go through stuff. My attention span, not super high, so we'll see. I um, have a, yeah? I, I have a follow-up to that art print I bought last week, which you know the answer to, but for the listeners, it, it's probably a fake, or at least it doesn't have an actual letter of authenticity. But I couldn't find a cheaper version anywhere, even if I was looking for just, like, a poster. So it's still, like, the best bang for my buck if I want this particular image of Tom and Jerry. And the seller does, like, she runs, like, an art gallery and does, buys art from art galleries that are closing. And so she's like, if you really want, I can send you a letter with my art gallery head, you know, header on it saying that this is an authentic piece. I back it as a professional in the art world. And I'm just like, that's an interesting compromise. I might have her do that. I mean, it sounds pretty fair to me. Yeah, like there's nothing else she can do other than like I return it, which I don't want to do because I want I, I do think it's a great print. It is. So, I don't life what like what the fuckle you know, I, it's just such a weird situation to be in. Like I bought a thing on like a, I bought a picture of a cartoon and I'm mad that it isn't a better picture of a cartoon or like not even that though. It's <laughs> but it's also it's the picture that you saw. Mm-hmm. It's like you you literally you you saw a picture that you wanted. You 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 gave them money for the picture. 
you received the picture and like where's my magical number yeah it's like that wasn't part of the deal it no what, it technically you... was though she said it came with a letter of authenticity okay. that this was an authentic reprint from this run in the 90s but are you going to are you going to frame the letter of authenticity no i'm going to like frame this and tuck the letter behind it and never think about the letter ever again so yeah i mean i <laughs> If I was decorating a house, I'd print up a bunch of fake stuff myself because I just wanted to look good. I just feel like there's, it's not as fun if I go to Staples and print fake stuff. It, sort of. I mean, th- there's a there's something about having a real thing. Yeah. But if I had like a if I had a nice drawing room, and somebody looked and said, "Is that a real uh, Tyrannosaurus skeleton?" I'd go, "No." <laughs> I mean. It's like, you, I feel you like idiot! That's you move expensive. the goalposts a little bit there, but I don't know. I still like I like my dinosaur skeletons. Dinosaur skeletons are cool. Did you see the new Side Night Happiness short? Oh, I did not. They they did part three of that Jurassic Park parody. I didn't know they did two parts of a Jurassic Park parody. Oh, you didn't see the first one? No. It, oh, the first one was funny. It was like it was that scene where like Hammond shows like I I finished my creation. Look, and they turn around and they're like, "No, you didn't." It's like I did, and then it shows, and there's a bunch of like giant mosquitoes flying around. It's like I, I invented Mosquito Park. Nice. <clears throat> and then there's a couple follow ups that are funnier than it. I would not go to Mosquito Park. That would be horrifying. Well, yeah, that's kind of the joke. I bet you get malaria. But it's um. It's it, the the third one was really good. I would start Mosquito Park though. I feel like I feel like that's a really funny idea. Like that 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 those two words together is something I would write down. But I guess Cyanide and Happiness already did it, so I won't. I want I want there to be. They should make a they should make a movie like they should reboot Jurassic Park and call it Jurassic Park Junior. Hmm. And it's like it's John Hammond had this idea to get dinosaur DNA out of fossils and we can clone the dinosaurs, but we don't want to clone anything that would be dangerous. So it's only the cute baby dinosaurs. And he sets up like a children's petting zoo of dinosaurs. And that's all he wanted. And the whole movie is about like spies trying to get the technology to clone the cool dinosaurs. And then like the whole time it's in like a baby theme park. It's like Legoland where, like, all the rides are really slow, and, and there's just these, like, creeps going around, and people are like, are, are those guys supposed to be here? They don't have children. Okay, I like that, but I also feel like there should be a B-plot where he, he when the dinosaurs start to grow up, he just, like, takes them all back and kills them because now they're too dangerous because they're big and they're not babies anymore. And then he well, has no, to clone more. The B-plot is all the all the kids that are attending the park. Um, it This is... For every single one of those kids, this is the last time that the family is going to be happy together before the parents get a divorce. Oh, it's that kind of theme park. But, like, it's literally every single family is going through a divorce. That'd be kind of funny, just, like, having all the background characters having that level of tension while they're just, like, moving around. And you can be like, man, that couple's not getting along well, are they? But it's just all of them. Yeah. I, uh, did you ever read the book? No. So that was actually a plot point in the book. Really? It was that, yeah, the kids are, <laughs> this is supposed to be like their last like fun time before the parents get a divorce. Jeez. So what's funny is that that didn't really come up in the movie, but they repurposed that for Jurassic World. 
And I remember people complaining that that point felt so forced and modern. And it's like, no, that was from the source material. That's like the only part in this movie that's from the source material. That's really funny. I didn't know that. Yeah. I feel like that was the least of that movie's problems. I Yeah. Well, you know, I disagree. I think the kids were super obnoxious and I didn't want to see them. Yeah, but, I mean, it's a Jurassic Park movie. There's got to be, like, a kid character because you're trying to get the 12-year-olds in to see dinosaurs. Well, but yeah, really, but you don't... don't need a kid character for that. No, I, I like the kid characters in the first one. Yeah. I like the kid character in the third one. I think the kid character in the fifth one is the worst by far. But with with Jurassic World, the kids were just such cringe lords because the dialogue was poorly written. And there's just sort of, like, expositing stuff where it's like there's not a lot of subtlety that it's like look how autistic this kid is look how autistic he is he's he's counting the dinosaur bones he's autistic just like in just like uh timmy was in the book which is another thing that came from the source material (laughs) i didn't know that either um and it's like okay we get that he's autistic i don't care because this doesn't have anything to do with the plot and then the older brother keeps looking at girls and he's not acknowledging the parents' divorce. And it's like, I don't care. I want to see, like, the CGI train wreck. And then when that comes, it's like, okay, I'm fine. Yeah. I need to see the new Godzilla movie, The King of Monsters or whatever. You didn't I see was... it? No, I guess that's pretty fun, too. Dude, oh, uh, well, you messed that. up because you should have seen it in the theater. Yeah, it seems like one of those. The audio, dude, the soundtrack and the sound design is so... That's what makes the movie... Because I remember seeing, what, Godzilla 2014 in theaters and being like, man, this is pretty mediocre. Like, oh. the first act is okay and the third act is great, but that act too, after Brian Cranston died. I love that trailer's movie. trailer's lying to me. I liked that movie. It was fine. I didn't hate it, but it was definitely like 20 minutes too long. Maybe. But I did, I, I, I really, really loved King of Monsters. I heard a lot of good things about it. The sound is just so... Like, you hear every monster before you see it, and you can recognize it. Oh, that's cool. Like, they, they didn't reinvent the wheel any. And, oh, and Mothra's theme, too. It's it's literally the theme that, like, those little, uh, like, fairy children sing. Oh, sure. They, they use that, but it's so powerful. And, like, it just... It feels regal. <laughs> like, it's so cool. Uh, that's gonna I, be out on DVD. I think it's out um, next week. That's cool. I this need to like. There's so week. many movies I need to see before the end of the year. But like, Godzilla, King of Monsters. Because I need to see Detective Pikachu yet as well. And ideally, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm hoping that's still in theaters next week or this weekend. Um, the I'm sorry, what? The Tarantino movie. Which one? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, that one. Sound like a it? good Tarantino movie. It was good. That was a good movie. Yeah, Godzilla comes out next week. Oh, nice. So I haven't seen Captain watch. Marvel yet. I don't know if I will. It was fine. I, feel I mean, like I should just to say I did. It's gonna be like on like streaming everywhere in five minutes. So yeah, it's fine. I don't. Okay, so we actually had a topic tonight. Do we wanna we wanna jump into that? We could. Do you want to? I'm curious to see how it's going to go, and I guess if it fizzles out, we can talk about random bullshit like we always do instead. Okay. But I feel like your topic's interesting, because it's, it's the idea of, of like politics portrayed in 
media like video games and movies and stuff that um, don't in, doesn't inherently seem political as I think the way you wanted to go with this or mostly just bitch about World of Warcraft. I what? I, okay, I feel like you completely misheard me. Okay. I said I want to talk about ice cream. Oh, we can talk about ice cream. Okay, no, I'm joking. I know. My no, my, I wanted to talk about political systems in fictional settings. Okay. Not politics. Oh. I might be yep. prepared for the wrong conversation. Okay. Maybe not, though, because I can still bitch about Harry Potter. So, okay, you want to start with Harry Potter? Because that's a good one. Yeah, the Ministry of Magic is fucking stupid, and every, all the adults are dumb, and it, it it controls the newspaper and the school system, and no one ever points out, like, this is kind of bad. Like, we all lord ourselves over, look, we're better than the muggles. They have to use cars. We have brooms. And... All the people like born with muggle parents that are just like, oh, I guess I'm a wizard now, aren't just like, you know, maybe we're doing this one wrong. Maybe I, this like I almost... really I, I hate the the idea that they have to be hidden. It's stupid, but they're they're all more than capable of defending themselves. Like they they can magically not be affected by bullets. Um, they can teleport away to anywhere at any time at will. Like, it, they don't have to draw out a giant alchemy circle or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand the threat if people found out that there were wizards. I feel like there's not a single thing a muggle could do to stop wizards. I think it's more of, like, the muggles would be, like, hey, you need to solve all our problems because you have magic and we don't. And I don't think can't. that's no, it, but, unreasonable. But who cares? That I mean, that's the thing. It, the, like, literally, <laughs> when, the when like, the subplot... Like the 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 evil pitch that um that Grindelwald is trying to point out is that like the Muggles are going to invent the atom bomb and World War Two is going to happen. It's kind of like no, let's just let the Holocaust happen. Um, let's let Japan explode because that's not our problem. His crime like, okay, was apathy. He it, it's it's strange to me that <laughs> that no one stops to think. It's like wait, we can magically heal everyone in these hospitals. But let the muggles have their thing. Let them die in pain and slow agony over years. And Well, they make fun of them, too. Like, oh, look at the primitive. They, they sew their skin back together when it's bleeding. We just wave a wand and give you a blood-replenishing pellet. There, now you're good. Right. And, and it's, it's like, well, what the fuck, then? But it's also, like, completely without resource. Like, they can at will clean an entire house. They just, like, wave their hand, and the entire house is clean. And it's like, okay... You, we could do things. <laughs> we, we could get things done. We could maybe solve world hunger if we had more time to spend on cooking and stuff. You know, it's like, oh, wait, you can teleport everywhere? Well, then let's just teleport these care packages over to these starving countries. I mean, well, it's, and it's just funny, so... too, because, like, the wizarding problems ultimately affect the muggle world in a way that's way worse than, like, the muggle world could affect the wizarding world. Like, oh, the Dementors accidentally got out and are just, like, making an entire continent feel super depressed and, like, crime is up and, and all this stuff. And no one knows why. And it's like, oh, yeah, the uh, the things we were letting guard our prisons, turns out they were evil, uh, are bad. Sorry. Uh, we're trying to help, but we really can't do much because there's so many of them. And also, bad wizards are killing people by staring at them. And, you know, you'll be okay, maybe. And it's like, oh, their government is, like, super inept and really just the worst. But on a more drastic scale because it affects so many more innocent people and they literally can't even see the problem because it's like magic. So, oh, yeah, muggles can't see Dementors. 
They don't know why people are, like, falling over dead or whatever. So, this is the sort of thing that I wanted to talk about. Okay, good. When you're writing, like, a fictional world, I feel like when you set up something like a governing body, (laughs) for for the most part, that's only going to come up if you have a narrative reason for that to happen. But there's implications that come with that that there's maybe a bureaucracy or there's maybe responsibilities people have to deal with. And it's like, uh, you know, what kind of makes me laugh is when I watch the Lord of the Rings movies and it gets to the end and I feel like for no reason Aragorn becomes king. Oh, yeah. Where I get that there is reason, but everyone standing around him has never seen him before. And, like, the whole, like, the the kingdom that he basically inherits. Because, like, I, it was me. I was the king all along. And it's it reminds me of the uh, the Monty Python and the Holy Grail thing. Where, like, the king shows up. And it's like, well, I didn't vote for him. What king? I didn't know we had a king. Sure. Where it's like, there's, there's like, people that <laughs> that are mourning their, their family members that got killed by orcs. And then it's like, oh, did you hear? We have a king now. And it's like, what? What are you talking about? I got stuff to do. And it's funny, too, because, like, he's... I can't remember how he proves he's a king. Like, I guess he has the ghost army. Which, I suppose, if a dude showed up with a ghost army, he's like, hey, I'm king now. Like, yeah, I mean, I I can't really argue with you. You have a fucking ghost army. But even that, who... Did anyone see him with the ghost army? Like, I I, I feel like the chaos of the battlefield. The... (laughs) There was a... There's a dirty guy with brown hair... And he had a green cloak on, and he was leading the ghost army. I was like, "Did you see that?" No, I was. There was a dragon attacking. What are you talking about? Did, where did the ghosts come from? What guy? What are you talking about? I was like, "Look, they're giving him a crown. I'm pretty sure he's king now." What are you talking about? Yeah, this is what goes through my head that that like fifth epilogue scene, sure. <laughs> where they're giving him a crown. Um. It's it's stuff like that. And I, and I know last week I talked a little bit about Star Wars, how, like, I feel like most planets don't feel the politics at all. Right. But then, like, the whole prequels are based around how important the Senate is. It's funny, but I feel like the longer something goes on, the more easy it is to start thinking this stuff. Because, like, Lord of the Rings is three long movies or three pretty long books, and, yeah, all of a sudden this guy's a king, and you're just like, yeah, but what does that mean in this context? We've we haven't dealt with that at all, and it's just sort of like, and he wins the f- the crown, he's king now, everybody's happy. Um, but there's so many implications to that that it doesn't really ever bother to to address. At least that I can remember. It's been a really long time since I've read the books. I'm sorry, I'm trying to find this one line. Um, da, da, da. Remember in the uh, the Drizzt books when the Bruner Battlehammer becomes like king of the dwarves and he finds his Mithra Hall again? And then it's like a book later, he's just like, I'm so bored of being king, uh, let's fake my death so we can go adventure some more. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I can appreciate that. Let's just oh. fuck it to the politics, let's go kill some goblins. Yeah, so they, they had this interesting uh, element in um, in Final Fantasy, I told you about that fairy realm. Yeah. So, the, the plot of the game when you're at this point, like the main mechanism that you're going around is... Um, each area kind of has this one light warden that's the source of all the light energy in the area, and you have to go kill it. And if you can kill the light warden, then it brings back the night and balance is restored. Okay. 
So when you go to the fairy realm, like there's all these little fairies and they're just having their goofy things. And there's the frog fairies that live in the water and blah, blah, blah. Who cares? But there's this like cool fairy castle that like floats over a lake. And they say that that's where the fairy king lives. But it's not like uh, an actual king. It's just that whoever's like the most powerful fairy just is, takes over the castle and they're the most powerful fairy. And it's like they could tell you to do something, but it's just it's because of literal just raw power that you would listen to them. Sure. And so the the fairy king was locked in there because they became the new light warden. <coughs> right. <coughs> I know. <laughs> and so you have to go in there and you, and you fight the fairy king and then like the basically someone has to inherit the crown so your fairy friend like takes it and then they become the new king okay but it was kind of neat that it wasn't like there wasn't like a court there wasn't um political intrigue it was so simple that i could picture this actually working because they're also like free-spirited anyways i didn't want to see the politician fairy you know and like the stuck-up fairy they're all just they want to play games sure and so it was kind of neat that it was like, oh, they didn't overthink this. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like the fantasy of the fairy king in his castle. There was, um, for some reason, that reminded me of uh, the comic book series Redneck, which is about vampires. And, like, the first arc of that is really family-focused. It's great vampire writing. And then, like, the second arc, it's like, oh, also there's, like, a coven of vampires that are, like, the politicians of the vampires, and they control, you know, regions of the United States and, like, which vampires there, and they make rules and stuff. And it... It never felt like it actually added to the world. It just added questions that they never really answered properly. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's just like, hey, let's introduce a, basically vampire politics into a story that does not need it. And then after a bit, it doesn't totally come back again. And uh, I don't know. It's like if you're going to introduce something like politics into a thing and create like a system, I feel like there needs to be a good reason for it. Like Game of Thrones works because it's entirely built upon the political dealings of like these right. seven houses. But that's the thesis of the story. Dude, I wish Fuller House was more like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh my god. That would have been fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, why not? Oh well. Um I think yeah, we, so with Game of Thrones, the political intrigue is intentionally there because that's the story. Right. But otherwise, I feel like it's really important to keep things like as brief as possible. Yeah, I, I, mean, um, I got the problem this, with Harry uh, Potter is we get too much of the Ministry of Magic. Yeah, I kind of like the idea that like I, I wish that they never saw the Ministry. I wish that it was like there, there could be a presence that there's like a governing body that magically overlooks things. But I feel like they just they go there and they break into stuff and steal secrets all the time. Like, it seems really easy to do, because it keeps happening. They seem so fucking inept that, like, a bunch of kids can just fly on, on magic horses, walk right in, go through the department, go grab the thing, and, like, there's no traps, there's no uh, security. And it's like, this is supposed to be the most uh, important part of the wizarding political system. You know, this is their Area 51. They just fucking well, walk right in. And, like, the most powerful wizards should be there. And it feels like they, they close up the doors at night. Yeah. And it's like, you can't have, like, one magical security guard that knows if anyone enters the building at any moment. 
Freaking uh, Umbridge, her office has more magical security than the Ministry of Magic because someone floated a a Niffler in there and it destroyed the place looking for treasure. And so she's like, I'm going to put a bunch of, uh, you know, alarms and stuff on the doors and windows. So if someone comes in, I'll know. It's like, how does the Ministry not have that? But also, like, even Dumbledore, well, like, he seems to know the future at all times. He's always, like, conveniently wherever he has to be. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like there should be more than one wizard like Dumbledore that, you know, there should be somebody waiting in the ministry whenever these kids show up. Because he kind of knew someone was going to show up that night. Divinations is literally a thing they can have where they can see the future. You think ministry would have, like, the official divinations keeper... And his or her job is, like, just to make sure nothing fucking bad's gonna happen to the place when it's dark out. And I feel like if Harry Potter had only gone on for, like, two or three books, none of this would would be there, because most of this world-building wouldn't have been introduced, and you wouldn't be questioning it, because it just wouldn't be there. So, okay, I got the Star Wars script here. Okay. Um, I really like how they handle this. They're, they're in the Death Star conference room. And there's some imperial senators and generals and stuff, and they're sitting at the conference table with their Death Star coffee. And um, General Taggy, Tag Taggy, 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 Taggy's there, and he's like, <laughs> "Until this battle station is fully operational, we are vulnerable. The Rebel Alliance is too well equipped. They're more dangerous than you realize." And then Admiral Modi's all like, dangerous to your Starfleet, Commander, not to this battle station. The Rebel will continue to gain support in the Imperial Senate as long as... And then the door opens and Tarkin's there. He says, the Imperial Senate will no longer be of any concern to us. I've just received word that the Emperor has dissolved the Council permanently. The last remnants of the Old Republic have been swept away. Is that impossible? How will the Emperor maintain control without the bureaucracy? The, the regional governors now have direct control over territories. Fear will keep the local systems in line. Fear of this battle station. And it's the last they talk about politics for, like, all three movies. Yeah, that works. It, it works. It, like, it's enough background setting that it's believable that there's some sort of thing going on. And it's like, this is such a game changer. Like, the existence of the Death Star is such a game changer that this is the future. Like, as long as this thing's around, this is what everything will revolve around. Yeah. And you you understand that narratively, and they do not have to go into the details of how many senators are assigned to each direct governor territory. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> you, like, you get a sense of that there's a government, and now it's dissolved. Because the, space it, it, Nazis and also yeah. bad weapons, and it's kind of like the um, like Obi Wan has like a throwaway line about how it's like, oh yeah, I fought with your father in the Clone Wars, and he doesn't like explain that the Clone Wars were the, Boba Fett's father was cloned, and there were there was a secret thing where they fought robots. They he just like he drops that line about the Clone Wars, and Luke's like, whoa, the Clone Wars really. And they move on because they're not, like, expositing things that you don't need to know about. Right. And I feel like that's the approach that politics should take in a story like this. Where oh, they say sure. something like, the Senate's been dissolved. Now there's just the Death Star. And it's like, oh, okay, that's all I needed to know. 
it, it adds, and so it's just like it's confusing in well know. it adds a lot of mystery right so you're just sort of yeah. like oh what does this mean and you, you know that's where all the fan fiction spawns off because like the idea of the clone wars is really cool until you watch movies two and three and you're like oh never mind and then you watch the cartoon and you're like oh okay now it's cool again because the writing's better i like the um i like an episode two where it opens with uh an assassination attempt on Senator Padme. And it's like, I feel like this should be news, but no <laughs> one cares. Like, besides Padme, no one cares that someone tried to kill her for political reasons. Yeah. And it's like, it's it's so disjointed and weird. Do they not have the newspaper in a galaxy far, far away? In fact, there's like multiple attempts in our life. They catch the assassin that tried to do it. And they have, like, witnesses from the Jedi Council that were there. And <laughs> it's like, okay, it's proof that someone's trying to kill senators for political reasons. Is this not concerning to anyone besides the victim? And yeah, it's but it kind of, not. Yeah, it, it, it would be interesting if there was a more of a story there, and it just sort of isn't. But because there isn't, it ends up, like... My brain keeps racing with all these questions of like, wait, how stupid are these people? I feel like when you introduce politics, you almost have to introduce some kind of like reporting system. And because uh, like, you know, reporters exist to basically tell you the news and then make sure, you know, fact check politicians, stuff like that. And uh, yeah, you, ha- you have like a big political system. Everyone's got flying cars. It's like, well, then everyone should have some way to get like a newspaper like there's no reason the newspaper would not exist in Star Wars land. Or it yeah, exists the, um, in Harry Potter, but it's, like, poorly written and stupid. The The holonet is, always has all these updates. Yeah. But there's too many things in the galaxy. Like, the galaxy's so big that nobody could read the full newspaper. No, you know? I suppose. It's like, yeah, of the that's... 200 senators that were assassinated today, which ones are in your district? <laughs> Play bingo. Number seven will surprise you. Yeah. God, imagine, like, a BuzzFeed in Star Wars world. Like, I feel like if that hasn't been done, that would be a really good gimmick for a website. Let's go. I'm going to go to BuzzFeed right now. BuzzFeed.com. Or even just, like, a Twitter channel where you make up headlines. Let me see. Okay, so this trending BuzzFeed article, the first one I see here is 18 times the parent trap was literally a cinematic masterpiece. God. And it's like, okay, I'm trying to picture this in Star Wars. And it's like, um, what, like, <laughs> like 37 reasons uh, this jizz band's latest single doesn't mean anything that you think it does. Five fashion trends we can take out of Jabba the Hutt's Palace. Chicken nugget lovers try vegan nuggets. <laughs> That's a real one, but you can just run with that in Star Wars also. Yeah. Oh, here's my favorite one. 16 animal Tumblr posts that are, quite simply, very cute. Yeah, you could do that for just, like, anything in Star Wars. It probably won't be called Tumblr. I don't know enough Star Wars characters or animals to see it, know if there's, like, a rhyme for Umbler. Hell, Umbler oh, could be an actual I'm animal. I'm sorry. It, it, this is a good one. People are asking questions about the 90s that only millennials and older can answer. And the example is... It's a picture of friends, and someone's asking, did people in the 90s actually want Ross and Rachel to get together? Like, why? That's a good question, because I don't remember if there's... I don't actually know why, other than I'm pretty sure we did. 
This triangle test will reveal the dominant side of your brain. This Take is the so quiz. Are you stupid. a Sith or a Jedi? But that's the thing. This is so stupid that I picture the people of like Star Wars land. Like I, I don't know what the Holonet's really like. I think there's like examples and stories about like how the Holonet works, but I picture it just devolving into like unending BuzzFeed articles. Well, and I look at like the the way uh, social media has like fanned like certain types of racism now, and if you you took that to Star Wars world where there's like a billion different alien species, it's like there's got to be a shitload of racism in Star Wars. You know, it's weird. I feel like there's not a lot of racism in Star Wars, but there's a lot of like. There's a clear, like, prejudice against the droids. Yeah. And I feel like it's been explained away as that coming from the Clone Wars, where droids were killing people. But it's also, like, it, it, Star Wars narratively keeps confusing if droids are, like, sentient or not. Yeah. Like, in Solo, they do that weird, like, social justice warrior droid that they use as a joke and a punching bag to make fun of, like, civil rights people and it's like this weird mixed message where it's like what are you trying to say i'm so confused yeah that was a interesting was poorly executed because like there could have been something <laughs> neat there and then it it really wasn't i i like i like half of her lines and she's also not in the movie that much so it doesn't ruin it for me but there's some lines where it's like what is the point why are they doing this but it, it did make me wonder like yeah are, are what level of sapience do these droids have? And if they have some, why were they made that way? Because they're clearly, like, you know, put together. And, uh, you know, there's just never really a good old reason for any of it. Other than, like, you know, BB-8's fun and R2-D2's fun, so it's kind of cool to have, like, the robots with personality that are the good guys in that regard. But they're also cute. I don't, I don't know. It's... I want to complain about Overwatch. We can complain about Overwatch. The... I don't I don't understand what the story is right now cuz they still haven't like started the story. I keep forgetting it, there is one. So the the group Overwatch Winston sent out a signal that they have to reform. Yes. But but no like no actual like governing body has authorized their existence. Okay. So they're basically outlaws while the terrorist group Talon is like actively moving and committing violent acts and apparently no one's doing anything about that and i'm trying to figure out are we supposed to care about these details because i feel like they frame a story like this is important and then they've spent i don't know how many years now not acknowledging it yeah because like the, the the shorts they put out are clearly like there's a lot of work that went into them and a lot of thought and they, they situate in the world somewhere, somehow, but I, I've never really been able to figure out exactly where, and I don't, I guess I don't care enough to try and, and do that. But, like, like, will you, like, the character cast is so fucking weird. Like, you got May, who's like, I'm a frickin', uh, you know, I did my, my, my snowshoes and my snow coat, and I can turn people into ice. And I was a scientist, and then everybody died. <laughs> and then you got a frickin', you got Winston, who's a, just a, a big frickin' ape with armor, who's really smart. And you got Hammond, who's a fucking hamster, who can't talk. And a Grim Reaper, walking around as a bad guy. And the character designs are all really fun, but I feel like when you start to try and put them all in the same world, it doesn't work as well. You know what I'm, I'm really interested in? Like, what I would actually want to see is a, a short about Zenyatta. 
Uh, he's the healer that throws balls. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, because isn't, isn't one of the shorts, like, his character's like a freaking high-end government person, right? Like, No. Or is that just... I thought, like, Widowmaker was trying to kill him. No, that's the... No, that was, like, this uh, robot activist. Oh, that wasn't Zenyatta. No, Zenyatta actually didn't like that guy so much. Are they, like, the same model number or something? Because they look similar. Um, I don't understand how these robots are made. Because it, it seems like some places acknowledge them as sentient beings, and then some places don't. Right, it's And I'm confused about how, like, the... the the Omnics, apparently, in some places, they have human rights, but it's like, why are they made at all? Because some of them, I get that they're like, the, the, some of them are like robots that do things, but then there's Zenyatta, where it's like, why did someone make Zenyatta? Like, what is his function? Right. Or was someone trying to make life, and that was the intent? But that sounds like a more interesting story, but that's not at all implied, so... I'm confused. It's gotta be weird too, like is if the robots are built and then they have some kind of like sapience, they basically are just like, well, humans are our gods, you know, they are our creators. That's an objective fact. And they built us for a thing, whether we want to do it or not. And it kinda reminds me of Rick and Morty when, you know, Rick builds that little robot to pass the butter. And the you know, robot's like, Yeah, what else do I do? He's like, No, you pass butter. And then you know, there's like this little existential crisis. It's like, really, that's all my world is, is passing butter. Um, and I feel like at some point, it's probably already been done, but I would like to see a story that would explore that more than just like a joke or an Overwatch's case where it's like a piece of background flair that doesn't hasn't been addressed yet. I like the Bastion short where he was, like he wakes up and he has like a programming directive. And so he just kind of decides to blindly follow it. But there's a point where he stops and makes a decision and then decides to not follow it. Yeah. And I feel like that one short has so much more story in it than anything else that they put out of the game. I feel like it has like almost more consequences to it, too, because there's like an army of these robots, and this one can just be like, you know what, I don't want to follow my directive and be you go around killing people. And nothing, none of the ones that I've seen have had that level of like, hey, this is like world-altering. Right. But no one talks about the the Bastion short because it's always about all the other characters. So I don't know. It's weird. I I don't know. I like um I like how politics and Warcraft is like. Who cares? Just it's, they're a bad guy now. That's it. Politics and Warcraft is weird because it basically changes from like expansion to expansion. But the lore of Warcraft is huge, and there's a shitload of strife between all of the races in it, and it's. Some of it's, I think, handled pretty well. I, I remember really enjoying some of it anyways. I really hate this new patch that just came out. Because there's, uh, there's two, like, new zones. They put in, like, two zones instead of just one, like, normal. Okay. And they're both super interesting. And they're both, like, kind of themed around, let's ignore the war for a bit. And also, Horde and Alliance, we're going to have to team up here and work together. And it's like, okay, I thought the whole pitch of this expansion was the fighting part. Oh, yeah. And I'm a little, like, I'm confused more than anything about, like, okay, am, am I supposed to care about anything or not? I don't know. I remember when, um, further into, I guess this was Burning Crusade, and the the, the time travel uh, dungeon showed up, and it was, I feel like there was a certain level of, like, 
okay, time is getting fucked up, you actually have to team up together to go fix time. And that felt really big and cool, even though I was on a PvP server, and so sometimes Alliance people would start attacking me if I was in that area. And it's like, hey, that's not how the story is. Stop it. Yeah. But, like, the idea of, like, we have to put aside our differences because something's literally gonna fuck the world up is is a neat concept. And I feel like they've just since I stopped, they, they've gone back to that like so much to the point where it doesn't even mean anything anymore. It doesn't. Which is a shame. Yeah, but that's kind of the problem. Man, everybody's so excited about uh, Warcraft Classic, and I just do not care. I just I feel like they don't understand the, the quality of life stuff that they're going to be losing. I I don't care. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I find it odd. Um, somebody said that like they're happy that they're putting in roleplay servers. And it's like They've I can't those forever, but I can't imagine role playing like backwards in time. Like what I feel like mean? this the story has progressed so much that it's like, like what do you do? Like boy, I I sure hope there's no burning crusade next week. <laughs> I mean, it's like I feel like with so much <laughs> like spoiled ahead, like. I, I I don't think I could resist dropping like ironic bits. Sure. Like there's there's whole villages that get destroyed in the cataclysm. And it's like if I'm in one of these spots that are not in the live version, I just go like, Boy, I sure like this place. It's so pretty. Boy, you I know sure hope I mean? the Barons doesn't have water one day. Right. It's it's so I, I do not see the appeal of that at all. Yeah, I suppose. But it's such a I weird tickle to nostalgia. It's like, hey, remember in high school and you could stay up all night to grind that one thing you wanted because it, it sucked? And you're like, yeah, that was great. It's like, you get to do that again. It's like, bitch, I gotta go to work tomorrow. But also, like, remember when it was new and you had to, like, explore the barrens? As like, you, you know it all now. Yeah. You know the boss mechanics now. Like, those, those first bosses, those early dungeons, that first raid... The content is so painfully easy by today gaming standards. First time through Wailing Caverns was like epic. Yeah, when you're like when and you're seeing you, it for the first time. Yeah, and then you go through it again and you, on an altar or something. And you're like, man, this place sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of long, and uh, there's some platforming stuff that half the people playing this can't fucking do. But it's also like there's a lot of tools now like there's all these resources online there's video guides there's like add-ons and stuff there's also it's so easy to do voice chat it used to be this thing where you had to make a group and you had to like try to like you know plan out ahead of time because not everybody could afford a ventrilo server yeah but now it's just like it's built into the warcraft client that you can have voice chat if you want so it's like you, you get in, it's like, hey, I haven't, even, I haven't seen this one in years. What do you do? Is it just avoid the red part? Okay. And you clear it and you're done. Like, I, there's not much game to do. That. I feel like even though, even when I was still playing it early on, like, there were add-ons for, like, quest helper and stuff that would, uh, you'd get a quest and it would light up on the map where to go. You didn't have to go figure it out. And I don't know if they actually put that into the game as a feature. Because <laughs> well, I think they did. They, they did. That's not going to be in Classic, but that add-on will work. Sure. So it's just that now everybody knows about add-ons. Like I feel like this used to be a thing that if you're really into it, then you're the then you would experiment with these mods. But the casual players who like had never played an MMO before, and they're coming home from school, and it's like they just you know when it's when it was all new, it was a very different kind of experience for most people. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people just really wish they were 16 again. 
because they I think they, I think that is a big part of it. You know, I I know people that are so mad that Trump exists that they need every form of escape, but they also will never drop that how, how upset they are about Trump. So they'll go into their escape areas and then start talking about politics. And it's like, okay, I mean I can tell you're upset, but do something about it. Yeah. And so it's just people have been like whining and begging for classic servers for so long. And I just I can't wait for this to like become boring in two months and people just stop talking about it. You know what I would love is if uh Blizzard took the best like raids and dungeons from Classic and then made like a hack and slash game where you just fought through them with other people. And it's like you have like the, the set pieces and the and the the visuals and the things, you know, even like the design could all be the same, but the gameplay is almost like how you remember it was, because you always remember it as being more actiony and better and cooler than it was. And for an MMO, it was never actually that cool. Like, there was a lot less moving around in those earlier raids. It was sort of like, okay, get your position, do your rotation, hope the healers and the tanks don't fuck up. And so I think if they if they took some kind of core mechanic and made it like, hey, let's, here's your five boot people, and you can uh, pick what you want to do, but it's like, it's a, you know, more of a hack and slash kind of thing, or a, a fighting game with combos. What do you think, think about that Final Fantasy VII remake? Well, see, I want to play that because it actually has like a gameplay loop. I think looks fun. Yeah, it's it's an interesting way to revisit it, where it's not just what you already know. Yeah, exactly. Like, because I there's so many things I do conceptually miss about World of Warcraft, but I don't think the gameplay loop would really do anything for me anymore. But if they made it something with that was a lot more active, like a, you know, Devil May Cry or a Orcs Must Die or something, I feel like which are pretty different games. But you know, I, I think it would be really fucking fun to run through like a Karazhan in that light in that way and fight all the bosses I know, but from a completely different kind of perspective. Oh man, you and here's the storm. I love playing Ragnaros. I have no nostalgia for that raid at all. But he is so fun to play in that game. Um, I never ran through that raid at level sixty. I was, I was too late for that. I had gone through it. I think at level eighty, just to like see it with a couple people. Yeah. And it, without the, without the the being at the level cap, like, you know, being level sixty, being there trying to get something important, it was sort of just like God. This place is really fucking big. <laughs> like I don't, I wouldn't want to do this normally because I think I'd be here for like five hours. Yeah. No, I get that. But then I think, like, Kara was like that. Like, you, you fall around a Kara if you didn't know what you were doing. You were there forever. I actually, I kind of love how streamlined the raids are in Final Fantasy. Because it's like, you, you queue for each boss separately, and you just, you're in an arena with that boss, and you fight it, and that's that. Oh, that's interesting. It's, it's interesting because it feels different. Like, I, I love the set pieces that they have in Warcraft, where it's like, there's the tower, and you have to actually scale it. And there's these like stuff that happens, but it's yeah. also kind of like when you're in when you're in end game grind mode, it's like okay, no cutscenes, just get to the game part. Okay, okay, I did it, I'm done. Yeah, there's something kind of satisfying about getting that system down. And you get a game that starts turning into grind mode, like I don't want anything to do with it anymore. Warframe's kind of an interesting example because I feel like the gameplay loop's pretty fun, but even then. I enjoyed going back to Overwatch the other week, and uh, if we play games tonight, I'd almost still like want to go back to Overwatch again. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in an Overwatch mood. Just I feel like 
I re- with Warframe, it's like, it's fun to fight the hordes, but after a certain point, it, it is literally the same bad guys for like 30 minutes, and then it's over. Yeah, I feel like that game works really well in short bursts. Yeah. Um, I like the Nightwave thing, where it's like, here's your weekly quests, and you can kind of do them in a day, and come back next week. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of like having that there, so it's like, okay, yeah, it's fine, I'll do that. For sure. Um, Where was... I just had this up. Do we have any other political systems to talk about? I feel like well, you we know, going the things I, we always talk about. I kind of wanted to like not to go for too long, but I wanted to bring up like in Dungeons and Dragons. If you're like if you're telling a story, if you're setting up a world, I feel like there's two approaches, and there's like the narrative thing of just acknowledging that there is a governing body, and having that be a narrative set piece that comes up when it's relevant. Or there's the approach of having like a sim where you have like so many rules that affecting certain things will have like a chain reaction. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, kind of. And it's like, I like the idea of a complicated thing, but at the same time, I, I, I it's like trade routes are boring. Yeah. So it's like, I kind of don't care. <laughs> trade routes are interesting if you're playing like a bandit and you're like, hey, let's find a trade route and then rob people but i feel like you can set up that narrative set piece yeah um like it would be it would be interesting to have consequences if you were to go do you go to the thing and you you steal from the dragon treasure and the dragon's angry so it comes out and it like torches a town and then like that should hurt the whole region because now like all those farmers are dead right and you, like, now there's a famine or something well yeah it's like oh you've ruined the crops so it's like wait, now what are we gonna do and it's like, I feel like you could do something where there's like repercussions that come down the road from that. Or sure. you can just have that as the next narrative set piece that you help them invent potatoes. That sounds fun too. Yeah, it's a call to make. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be hard, right? Because you as a DM can figure out which way you want to go, but it really, you got to feed off the energy of like the players. What would they think was more fun? And you have to kind of guess. Yeah, there's an art to it. Do you have a glad space? It's gonna be, yeah. I was gonna say it's gonna be interesting though, real quick, like for D and D, where um, I know Matt and I know Joe, and we met Kyle. I don't know the other guy, and it's just like I don't know what differences we're gonna bring to the table as far as bullshit. Like you know, me and Joe were already being pretty vulgar and stupid uh, when we when we were doing our practice session, and no one seemed upset by that. But I do hope I I, I think we'll probably dial it back when we start proper. But at the same time, like we know what we find funny, and so. Depending on how this goes, it, it could turn into a, a weird shit show. <laughs> yeah, it should be interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing how it rolls out. I just, I hope we end up realizing, you know, like, we all end up getting what we want to get out of this, right? Because we're, for all I know, we're coming at it from very different uh, expectations. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. I wish you luck. <laughs> Is that a threat? No, it's a, it's a threat, yeah. Okay. Uh, Gladspace. I guess I kind of have, I, I guess I, I kind of have two. Um, the first one is that, that that metal album I've been working on is done and up. And if you go to Bandcamp and then type in Anonym, you can find it and it's free. And you can listen to my music. And I'm glad to have that done. I didn't really actually feel anything uploading it. I was like, okay, here it is. It's it's done. But uh, there's no like sense of, of accomplishment or anything like that. It's just sort of like a thing I did. That's good. And I'm just going to assume most people don't give a shit. You did it. 
I'm really I don't know why I make stuff. I almost never like feel happy when I'm done. <laughs> that's like there's no fulfillment. I'm just like so fucking broken. <laughs> that's, that's terrific. You inspired all the children today. I know. Hey kids, go make things. It won't actually make you feel better, but you'll you know you, you had fun along the way. It's the friends you made on the adventure. Oh, you know. Okay, we're talking about how broken Harry Potter is. Uh-huh. You know what's worse than Harry Potter? Pokemon. Hmm. Oh God. Pokemon makes no fucking sense. There's like a terrorist group that literally like holds the entire region hostage and then one 10 year old beats them. That's the plot of the game. Like, like, (laughs) what in the world? (laughs) I know it's a. How is being a gym leader a job? I I get. Make any sense? Yeah, I get that it's a children's game for children. With cartoon monsters and the the, the whole re- thing is like, we have to have an excuse for them to playfully fight. But it's one of those things where I feel like there's enough stuff in the world that it makes you think about stuff like that. There's enough yeah. reason to like ponder <laughs> how the reality works. Oh, that all, that always comes back to another thing that bothers me with with Pokemon and Harry Potter is just like, when when do these people learning math or geography or uh? English or any any of those life skills at schools like we're teaching you th- important things you're going to use later on. Some of it, yeah, you do. Some of it, you don't. So, but I feel like 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 math is really important because there's like a logic reasoning element to it that you learn that you can use and push onto other subjects. And and these fucking kids aren't doing anything. Like Ash is ten. He's like, I'm gonna go explore the world and learn literally nothing new. One day I'm gonna have to do taxes. I'm gonna be fucked. Did you see Detective Pikachu? No, I'm. I'm really. I need to red box it. I really want to watch. So that the movie. main character is like he's not a Pokemon trainer, and like the first scene in the movie, it's like yeah, the the Pokemon training thing didn't work out at home, but I got a job at this insurance company, and he's like an intern at an insurance company, and it's like people in this world got real jobs, and it's yeah. and it still acknowledges that like there is a Pokemon league, and like you know kids just oh I, I'm gonna go become the best. And some of them go do that, and then some of them work at the grocery store, and it's okay. And it's like, oh, actually, this movie has more thought put into it than I thought it would. It's like, if I was going to write a Pokemon fanfic, it would literally be, like, from the perspective of, like, oh, I'm an accountant, and that's really rare, because half the people started off this, their adventure with, I want to be a Pokemon trainer, and then realized, like, that's not feasible, and then came back with, like, no real education, but I went to college... Went to Pokemon College and I got a degree and now I help businesses make money, or whatever you know, just from the perspective of something like that. It's what is that? What does a tax person do in Pokemon World? Do they have a pet Pokemon that can attack people? Like, you get a Pikachu that can learn Thundershock if you, if you're a home inspector, right? Like, what do you, what do you do? What about like the rape crisis hotline? Is they just like ringing off the hooks? This is a very dark but good question. I, I'm, like seriously, it's like it's weird that. It's like, okay, you're 10, you can just go wander off into the woods, go go to the big city where I don't, where there's like criminals and stuff, I don't care. You got a rat attack, you'll be fine. Your Hitmonchamp is choking me. Yeah, that's part of the allure, kid. You got, you got your, your shorts, they're fun and easy to wear, and they show off a lot. <laughs> oh, Pokemon's oh boy, there's a big update coming to Pokemon Go, I'm super excited. They're do- they're oh, finally nice. doing Gen five, which is the one that I like. 
when did three and four come out? A while I feel ago. like when I learned about Pokemon Go, it was only just like general. Yeah, it's. It, I kind of appreciate the variety now, um, because you'll see stuff where it's like, oh, I don't like that one. Uh, oh, I do like that one. Whereas, like when it was oh, just okay. Gen one, it's kind of like I have that one already. I got that one already. Sure. So now it's kind of fun, like seeing the different ones come in and out. Yeah, that makes sense. But this one has um, Trubbish and uh, Ferroseed and Carnivine. And like, it's just there's a whole bunch that I'm looking forward to. So I'm happy. So knowing you, your favorite Pokemon are the trash Pokemon and the saddest Pokemon. What's the saddest one? I don't know, but it's probably Gen 5. What is the saddest one? That's a good question. What is the saddest Pokemon? I mean, is it Cubone because its mother's dead? Well, that's the thing. I feel like there's like an emotional... Oh, you know what? It's not Cubone. Um, do, do, do. So it's either Yamask or Mimikyu. Oh, yeah. I know about Mimikyu. But it might be Yamask. Um, okay, I typed in what is the top ten saddest Pokemon. No, I don't want you to know my fucking... It just doesn't make any sense because then it's like number 10, beware. The, and then it's like number 9 is Muck. And it's like, I don't think Muck is particularly sad. And 8 is Nosepass, which I don't know what the fuck that thing Are is. Are you on CDR.com? Yeah, I just saw this. Yeah. Song. Apparently Lapras is really sad. I, I don't know how the fuck is Lapras well, it's sad. It's been overhunted almost to extinction. Oh. So for what reason? Because no one ever eats Pokemon in the games. Yeah, they of the do. TV like, show. Oh, there's a whole like plot about how they're um they're poaching Slowpokes because the Slowpoke tails are an aphrodisiac. Yeah, it was in really? Gold and Silver. Oh. Do you remember Phantom? So no. scroll down a little bit. I've never seen this one, but it's, it's kind of horrific. It's a dead child that was possessed by a tree. <laughs> Jesus. These Pokemon are stumps possessed by the spirits of children who died in the forest. Their cries sound like eerie screams. Under that is Yam Mask, which is a ghost that holds a mask. And it's like its eye is crying. <laughs> and it Jesus. and the descript the Pokedex entry is each of them carries a mask that used to be its face when it was a human. Sometimes they look at it and cry. <laughs> okay, Mimic you I've seen before. I have a friend who really likes that Pokemon because it's like the saddest Pikachu. I'm guessing it's a boat. Ghost. Yeah, it's so horrific to look at that no one can tolerate being near it. Like it, it's upsetting on a core level to be close to one, and it's also inherently lonely and wants companionship. Yeah, Spoink is fucking revolting looking. The shock of its bouncing makes its heart pump. As a result, this Pokemon cannot afford to stop bouncing. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, biologically, that is the dumbest thing. It, it is stupid. It's not sad, it's yeah. stupid. They also, they put Baynet on here, and I don't know why, because Baynet is like a an abandoned doll. And it's like, I feel like the dead children entries are a little more upsetting than a toy that was abandoned. <laughs> Yeah, and then Cubone at the end is like the obvious Yeah, but answer. even then, I feel like Cubone is, um, like, that's kind of sad. But there's also this, like, survivalist nature that it's still, like, tough and moves forward. I feel like the yeah. ghost that looks at the face that it used to have and cries is a little more of a haunting experience. How how can, like, a person die and become a Pokemon? I feel like that makes less sense than most well, no, that's what Pokemon. It's like, oh, they're not animals. No, that's what like, ghost Pokemon are, like though, a, a is that they're logic. spirit energy. Oh. 
I guess I never really stopped to think about it. Like, what is a ghastly or... I love... Ghost Pokemon are cool because... And this is why I love Gen 5. They had some really, like, dark and twisted kind of uh, things written into it. Um, Gen 5 is the one that had the 9-11 Pokemon in it. (laughs) Uh, But they also, like, there's a lot of entries about the ghosts and stuff. Um, Are you familiar with Frostlass? Uh, no. So, Frostlass is a... It's an interesting one. It kind of has this, like, Japanese, like, Shrine Maiden kind of costume. Oh, man, I bet there's a lot of porn on that one. Um, not enough, but... (laughs) So, it's Ice and Ghost, and it lives in, like, icy mountains where it snows a lot, and when explorers come by, um, it freezes them and uses their frozen corpses to decorate its cave as, like, a collection. Oh, Jesus. You know, it has real estate though. Like it has a, it owns a home. So good for it. Yeah. Does it pay? I wonder if it pays property taxes. Mike Frostlass, gotta, gotta, you gotta pay your fair share. Oh, where's this other one? There's a, there's a ghost and water type. They made like ghosts in every type now. It's kind of cool, because I, I always loved ghosts, but it's frustrating how like limited they felt. And now there's one for everyone. Um. Frillish. Are you familiar with Frillish? I saw a really funny picture someone posted. Someone made Stonehenge out of butter. And he's like, is that butter? He's like, no, it's Stonehenge. He's like, I can't believe it's not butter. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that's so dumb, but I'm like getting a lot of enjoyment out of it. That's so stupid. I love it. Holy shit, those Pokemon are killing that girl. Yeah, they're like these jellyfish ghosts that play with corpses that float in the ocean. Because, huh. again, Pokemon's like a fun children's game, so. That's delightfully creepy. Yay. What's your What's your glad space? Um, oh, I do have a glad space. My friend put out a playable demo for his new game. Oh, yeah, you told me about this. Um, did you check that out yet? I did not. It's called Arsenal Demon. Arsenal Demon. You can find that on Twitter real easy. Good for him. But it's pretty fun. I actually I, I downloaded the demo, and like that first night, I, I I tried really hard to get like the top ranking on the leaderboard, and I I contacted him and was like, hey, I got number one on the ranking board. So he put that on his Discord, and then the guy that had the previous top ranking got really mad. He's like, how'd you get a higher score? This just came just came out. He's like throwing an autism fit about it. Um, but now a lot more people are playing it, and so I don't know if I'll be able to climb the leaderboard again. Sure. But it's it's pretty fun. You should check it out. It's called Arsenal Demon, and it's a lot like, um, it's very clearly inspired by Devil Daggers, but it's also got, like, this Doom element where you just, you dual-wield shotguns. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, it's it's actually, like, very fast-paced and action-y. Like, I, I wasn't expecting it to be this smooth. But it's a you know it's a really fun little indie thing, and you just play the demo for free. It's actually pretty good. So check that out. I had some fun with it. I'm like mostly just like angry, jealous because like oh he's got people that are playing his game and talking to him on Discord and actually enjoying the product. Meanwhile, my game is just like forgotten in obscurity. Well, yeah, but they can pronounce his game. The la- yeah. That that first name was bad. I told you it was bad. It was, we didn't use the first name. I know, but when you guys were, like, pitching that, it's like, no. I'm glad yeah. you changed it to Land of Glass, and I, yes, I'm glad we, you, I, you know, I like what you ended up making. 
but oh this is like really cool i like the art style he's got going yeah it's like simplistic but it works it's very simplistic but it's got these like techno angels that like swoop in from the sky um and it's really just it's fast and all the glass like shatters it's actually kind of satisfying to just run around and blow stuff up yeah that seems pretty neat yeah it's still I wish him well yeah still kind of a work in progress but i thought the demo was impressive so yeah check that out um we good are we i think i feel pretty good do you yeah this was a fun episode it was kind of funny because I thought we were going to talk about something slightly different as far as politics and and, and uh, media. And, like, I remember last week I asked John Luke for some help when he typed, you know, like, paragraphs. I mentioned that. And uh, turns out I was I was wrong. What, what, <laughs> he can be disappointed twice. What did you think we were talking about? And I thought we were just going to talk about, like, inherent, like, political messages in media and how, like, basically every piece of media has a political message whether you like it or not because they're written in a you know political a, a, they're written in a climate with politics so you can't like escape it because there's so many games like, things come out and people are like i don't want to talk about that. that's not political i don't want to talk about that why do you got to bring politics and everything and they you know sneer or whatever because they just want to enjoy their big dumb thing it's like no everything you, you gotta you we gotta not enjoy that that way think think critically mister so i liked um in Pokemon Black and White, the bad guys were like PETA. Do you remember okay. that? I know. I never played Pokemon Black and White. So, um, they were they were going around and like preaching that we shouldn't use Pokemon as weapons and we should let them free. And that was basically okay. just a tactic to disarm the population so that they could invade. And it's, like, I feel like people tried very hard to pull, like, real-world political parallels out of the story. But it was just so, like, fictional and removed that they were able to tell, like, here's a cute story for a Pokemon game. There's the bad guy, there's their plan, and then you beat him. And it moves on. And it le- it lets you, like, reflect on things, but it didn't feel like this is an allegory for gun control, or this is an allegory for animal rights, it was. It felt like fiction, sure, and that was nice because that's very hard to do. <laughs> um, should we say goodbye and then play some video games or something? I don't know what you want to do. Tonight. I think we should. Goodbye, everybody. I love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>